It's Fire Away Friday. Fire Away Friday. On Exploring the Word, this is your chance to ask us your Bible question at 888-589-8840. That's 888-589-8840. You can also email your question at word at AFR.net or visit Facebook.com slash Exploring the Word. Exploring the Word. It's Fire Away Friday on American Family Radio. Our enthusiasm for the Bible could be summed up in Psalm 119, verse 93, that says, I will never forget thy words, for through them I found life. Well, with that scripture, we welcome you to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Alex McFarland here, along with Bert Harper. And you're listening to the American Family Radio Network, which is online also at AFR.net. But we're glad you're listening because Fire Away Friday, the final day of the week, we just open up the phones and we give the whole show over to taking your Bible questions. That telephone number is 888-589-8840, Love to have your calls and questions, but Bert, isn't it a privilege? Every day is a great privilege, but doing Fire Away Friday, that's just extra special, isn't it? Fire Away Fridays, uh, I love it, and I get to talk to more people, which I enjoy. Uh, hopefully, we answer more questions, and uh, sometimes we go away scratching our head and say, that was a good <laughs> question. Uh, Alex, <laughs> I had a professor uh, in, in college, uh, well, it was in seminary, and he said to someone, he said, uh, uh, somebody asked him a question, and he told him, he said, I enjoy uh, listening to a good question. And then he said, next question. You know, so uh, <laughs> wow. sometimes questions can be difficult and hard. We try to give a, a reasonable, good, honest answer. So, again, that number, 888 and uh, we, our call screener, will take your uh, call and we'll find out a little bit about it. But Alex, are you busy? I know you were busy last weekend. Are you busy this weekend? Well, yeah, I, I am, and it's my privilege to be at First Baptist Church of Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. And we're working on a big conference. By the way, I, I want to give an announcement here, and we're going to go to the phones, and I see we've already got a lot of callers. By the way, Fire Away Friday, your toll-free number for your Bible question today is 888-589-8840, and we're going to go straight to those questions in just a second. But the registration page for Truth for a New Generation just went live like about an hour ago. And October 15 through 17 at First Baptist Church of Myrtle Beach, we're going to have our, our big apologetics biblical worldview conference. And we're going to have Frank Turek and Sandy Rios and Bishop E.W. Jackson and myself and several other surprises that we're in the process of firming up. But Bert, at this conference in October, which isn't that far away, and I would encourage you, come to Myrtle Beach. There's just plenty of hotels and everything. But we're going to be talking about the battle of worldviews, secularism, socialism, uh, responding to the woke movement and mindset and critical race theory, how this really does threaten our free America. And we're going to talk about how you can lead people to Christ, how you can stand for truth. There's a parent track, a teen track. And uh, one last thing, Bert, I just did an interview with um, One News Now, Steve Jordahl. I don't want to give too much PR to this, but let me just say this. There's a, 
a gay activist group out of the West Coast that has um, videos on YouTube. And, and two things, boldly, they have made a public declaration. They said, look, Christians, we will convert your kids to the belief of gay, lesbian, transgender. But the other thing is, they, they said that basically Christian conservative parents don't have the right to impart a narrow conservative worldview to their children, that those, the teachers, the entertainment industry, those that are outside of your family, they have the right to speak into the lives of your children, and they will. Now, all of that says we're in a spiritual battle, folks. And part of the reason that I'm on the road and Bird is doing the fishbowl, and we, we beg wherever you are, come to the Truth for a New Generation conference. We're going to, for parents, for adults, and yes, sessions for young people. Because, Bert, um, look, we love people. We love the Lord. We're, we're, we're happy campers. But for the future of this nation, we really are in a spiritual battle, aren't we, Bert? We are, and that spiritual battle starts in our hearts and our lives. We've got to get it down in our lives. That's why the conferences that you go to, Truth for New Generation, is so important. A lot of people already have that in their heart and their mind, but this will equip them to answer it to others. And your young people who are listening so many other avenues and hearing what they're saying, they need to hear truth, and truth will win out. And so this coming weekend, by the way, I'll be at First Baptist Church, Baldwin, Mississippi. Uh, mm. I'm starting an interim ministry there. I'll be there at 930. So if you're in northeast Mississippi and get up early and want to come to church, come to Baldwin First Baptist Church. Uh, the message I have, I think, will be one that would just help and strengthen you. First Baptist Church, Baldwin, looking forward to that. And so, Alex, let's go to the phone lines. Let's get as many calls as we can in. We're going to do that. And first of all, we're going to begin in Mississippi with Brian. Brian, welcome to today's edition of Exploring the Word. Uh, thank you all very much for taking my call. This first-time caller, and I'm glad uh, y'all got this program. I'm, I appreciate it. Well, thank you. Thank you. What's your question today, Brian? Um, y'all always get the question about Cain and his wife, and everybody has a kind of turns their nose up at, you know, this is his sister. But everybody forgets that God created Adam and Eve perfectly. They did not have no genetic defects at all. So they got to keep that in mind. No genetic defects. And that's why we don't marry our relatives because of genetic defects. Brian, and I just wanted to pass that along. Great yeah. word. Brian, I, I talk about, you know, I know I get on my soapbox about Darwinian evolution. That's uh, It's just so horrible and hideous. But uh, if, if there's anything, quote, evolution, it's devolution, downward <laughs> from Adam yeah. and Eve. And uh, I agree with you. That That is a good word. And. Uh, again, biblically, that I, I don't know of another answer that you have other than that, Alex. That, that's true. Uh, you're right. The, the The gene pool was much purer then, and you know, even secular geneticists believe that that over time, uh, genetic defects get replicated and replicated. 
So the dangers of uh, birth defects due to inbreeding, that really wouldn't have been a danger back then. But thank you very much, Brian, for pointing that out. Very astute listener, and we're grateful that you tune in and you do listen. So we're going to go to Kansas. Philip in uh, Kansas, welcome to the program. Thank you, Dr. Alex Wood. Thank you very much uh, for your program. Uh, My question is, what do we as conservative Christians do in the church when there are uh, liberals in the church that seem to be more a part of the problem than the solution? I will listen at the radio. Thank you, sir. Oh, man. Thank you. Hey, did you pick up that accent? I, I sort of say, for for one thing, Philip, you, you just have a a lovely voice, and Amen. that just I'm, love that. I'm guessing you're from South Africa, and it's been my privilege to go to South Africa several times to preach, and uh, you just the sound of your voice brings back a lot of wonderful memories of mem- ministry in Africa. But um, you know, let me say this, and Bert, I want to throw it to you. Remember, Jesus talked about the wheat and the tares growing together, and non-conservative believers, I'm not saying they're tares, T-A-R-E-S, I'm not saying they're not saved, but when we say conservative, um, really in terms of Christianity, I, I would just say it's, it's biblical, you know, to believe in some of the pillars of conservatism like uh, limited government and private property ownership and marriages between a man and a woman, and the best people to raise the children are the mother and the father, and life is sacred. Uh, Bert, those may be conservative, but they're basically biblical. And so when we have brothers and sisters in the church that don't get it and don't understand it, I think we need to lovingly, prayerfully try to um, urge them to have a viewpoint more shaped by Scripture. You know, we just got through with the Ten Commandments. And when you look at those Ten Commandments, you will honestly see uh, what Alex was just saying about private ownership, which would be limited government. They don't run everything. They don't own everything. You would also see the priority of family with uh, adultery being wrong and also honoring your father and your mother and it being a, a marriage between a man and a woman that a family is best together. There's mm. so much there that the Ten Commandments demonstrate that what what today we'd call conservatism. Now, we didn't have it back then. That's a word that came about later on. But it's biblical all the way through, and that's what you want. You want to be biblical. Now, let me say, we say conservative. Alex, do you want to be a liberal giver of God's money or a mm-hmm. conservative giver of God's money? Well, I want to be a liberal I know. giver. That, why? Yeah. Because that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a biblical view, and you can put labels on it and everything else. And uh, But in our political, see, this is kind of what's happened. The political realm has come in, and, and it's because they've invaded our territory. I'm not backing up the pulpit that I occupy as best I can. I'm going to speak and preach the biblical message concerning family, uh, concerning uh, life. And those things are, and we've got to stand for it. And I, I just want to share with you, you find the pastor doing that. Uh, people that believe that will be gathered around. There'll be a few that will come in that won't, and they'll try to sow their seed 
but stand strong and stand and speak the truth in love. That's what the Bible says to do. I think you can do yeah. that, uh, Philip. I really do. And and that's why, you know, conferences, good resources, you know, being a reader and, and being equipped to be an influencer of others towards the rock-solid standards of God's Word. God bless you, Philip. Well, um, I think before this first break, we've got time for another call. We're going to go to Georgia and speak with Bernard. Uh, thank you for holding. Welcome. Uh, hello. Uh, may I engage y'all on uh, God's sovereign reproductive process? And of course, you know he did that uh, before the fall. So my question is, do you believe every sperm and every egg that unites on planet Earth so our God sovereignly orchestrates that and causes that. Okay. Bernard, great deep question. Alex, after they have united, they become life, and that is precious. Did God orchestrate it beforehand? Well, the Bible talks about he knew us in mm-hmm. our mother's womb, and it, the Bible says he knit us together. Is that referring before the United or after or during? Well, you know, I, I think that um, you're right. Life begins at conception. But the fact that God in his sovereignty, clearly the Bible says he knows our name even before we're carried in our mother's womb, um, that in itself uh, underscores the sanctity of life. And I want to say this. People sometimes talk about illegitimate children. No, uh, every child is legitimate. There might be some illegitimacy involved in how a pregnancy began, but every life is sacred and every life is ordained by God. I really believe that. Amen. We stand on that. We preach that. And we pray that you have caught that as well. We'll be back with more of Exploring the Word right after the break. This is Pause to Pray a chance to stop down from the daily noise of life and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Kellyanne Barisi, Deputy Undersecretary for the Office of Strategy, Policies, and Plans. She works to implement strategies and policies to advance and ensure consistency and integration among DHS missions. James 4.10 reminds us that humility is a quality of a good leader. Do nothing from rivalry or conceit, but in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Kellyanne Barisi in her work at the Department of Homeland Security. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is a service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team, a nonprofit, nonpartisan ministry dedicated to encouraging prayer for our nation's leaders. To learn more, Go to pausetopray.org. People pray for heavenly help with a whole assortment of problems. But Dr. Tony Evans says that many of them are only dealing with one. He'll tell us about what it is as we spend two minutes with Tony. No matter what you're dealing with in your life, it can be traced back to the presence of sin. Therefore, if Jesus Christ, whose name means Savior, is not free to deal with sin, then he's also not free to fix the thing you're calling him about. We have a world today that calls on Jesus 
to fix the racial problem, to fix the social problem, to fix the economy, to fix the division in the nation, to fix my family. We call on Jesus for everything to which God wants you to know if he can't deal with the main thing, then he may not be able to help you with all the other stuff you're calling on him for since the root of all the other stuff you're calling on him for is directly, indirectly, or environmentally tied to sin. So whenever you call the name Jesus, you are asking him not only to deal with the fruit of your problem, but the root of its origin. And if he cannot deal with the root of its origin, then you're saying uh, even if it goes away for a while, it's going to come back with a vengeance because that which caused it was never allowed to be uprooted. There's only one way to permanently uproot sin. To learn more about it, visit TonyEvans.org, click on the top menu, and open the Jesus link. Tony will explain how Jesus' death on the cross opened the door to complete forgiveness and a brand new eternal life. Check it out today, then join us next time for Two Minutes with Tony. Whose life matters more? Hello, I'm Walker Wildman, host of AFA at the Core. This weekend, we'll talk about how the state of California is valuing the lives of animals more than the lives of humans created in the image of God. Tune in Saturday at 3 p.m. Central on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Welcome back to Exploring the Word. Bert and Alex with you. Hey, by the way, Alex mentioned about the fishbowl retreat. Let me give that one more time this week. Uh, we still have room for pastors and wives. It's October the 19th through the 21st this year at Pickwick Landing State Park near Savannah, Tennessee. Beautiful, overlooking the Tennessee River. It is beautiful. Jan, my wife, and I will be there. Ed Vitagliano and J.J. Jasper. You can go to repairingthefoundations.net and register. Find out if your pastor and wife do this for them for their, you know, October's Pastor Appreciation Month, and it would be a great thing for you to do to share in this and find out if they could come and and a Sunday school class, a, a group of people or one individual uh, send their pastor and their wife. It's a great getaway. It is a retreat, and they'll meet some great people from all over the United States. So that's the Fishbowl Retreat, October the 19th through the 21st. Go to repairingthefoundations.net. Well, Alex, let's go to the phone lines, and where are we going to next? Oh, we're going to go to Texas. We love Texas. Rachel in Texas, thank you for holding. Welcome to Exploring the Word. Hi, Bert and Alex. Thanks for um, I just want to say I listen to you guys every day, and I just really appreciate what y'all do, and y'all really help me a lot. I, well, I, um, God bless you. God bless you. And I trust, I trust you, so that's why I'm coming to you with this question. And it's about Calvinism. Um, I just started reading about it and learning about it, and I don't, I don't know what to think about it, so I wanted to ask you guys because in my heart, I, I, I want to say that it's false, but then I find out, you know, I start researching, 
John MacArthur, Paul Washer, Alistair Begg, all these great pastors that I listen to and, and learn from, it seems as though they're in line with that. And I just wanted to know what y'all thought about this. Rachel, thank you for calling, and we appreciate you. Do great research. Alex and I both, we try to say this, and, and I've, you know, there's people that disagree on that. Uh, I think it's minor, to be honest, because uh, don't make it bigger than it is. As long as that Calvinism does not interfere with evangelism and missions, it's not going to do, quote, damage. But I've known some take it so far, Alex, that no missions, no evangelism, whatever will be, will be. And the Bible does not teach that. The Bible does teach that there is a balance, that balance between the sovereignty of God and man's free will. I call it accountability because if, if, if Calvinism is, is taught completely the way John Calvin taught it, uh, you're still going to be evangelistic. You're still going to be missional. So, Alex, yes. it, we've got some good friends that are Calvinistic, and we get along, don't we? We really do. And I want to take a couple of minutes and really drill down deeply on this. And, Rachel, thank you for this uh, wonderful question about Calvinism. And let, let me just lay a little foundation here. And this is Fire Away Friday, and we're going to go more quickly than usual on most of the questions. But this is worth talking about for a minute. And I want to say that, and, and what I'm about to say, I want to say with as much humility as I, as I possibly can, because look, some of the greatest leaders, you mentioned John MacArthur, and I think about a, a giant of the faith, Erwin Lutzer right now, and of course John Piper, and, and others we could name have been Calvinistic. But every school of thought, you might have heard of, uh, people say, well, are you Calvin or are you Wesleyan? Or are you Arminian? Uh, a, a lot of these theological schools are an attempt to try to understand, well, how do we understand that God is sovereign, God is in complete control, and yet man is accountable. Man has free will and man is responsible. And then there's the church, and then there's Israel. And so a lot of these um, schools of thought are an attempt to understand, well, what is the church and what does that leave for Israel right now? And maybe the church is the new Israel. And, and you've got reformed and non-reformed. So let me say emphatically, um, there's no question. All of these people from all of these camps, we, we are not questioning whether or not they love the Lord and are sincerely, the best way they know how, they're trying to follow Jesus and follow the Word of God. And Bert, but before I make any further remarks, agreed, we're not questioning anybody's love of the Lord and their salvation, are we? We are not. And I listen, I, I know them, many of them. I've met them, fellowshiped with them. And uh, again, we've said this, and I'll say it and turn it back over to you. We've come up with three E's that you better have some grace about. Yes. And one of those is election, which would be the interpretation of the sovereignty of God and man's responsibility. The other one is is the early earth. We've got friends that believe in an older earth. You and I are both young earth guys, and, mm -hmm. and we won't go into all that. And the other one is eschatology. We've got friends that, that are not premillennial the way we are, Alex. And so 
on these thoughts, yes, they are important. But uh, I've, I didn't have fellowship with them, brother. Well, exactly. And we can definitely have fellowship. And let me say in all of my, you know, 47 citywide conferences I've put together, I've had Calvinists, non-Calvinists. I am not a Calvinist. If somebody asked me, are you a Calvinist? I would say, based on where Calvinism is right now, um, no, I'm not a Calvinist. And a lot of the Calvinists of the last 10 or 15 years you know, and I say this in love, but frankly, some of them have been a little bit kind of cocky, and uh, it's like if you're not reformed, as as one person said, because there's this one school of thought, Dutch reformed, and this person said to me, said if you're not Dutch, you're not much, uh, and there's there's almost this haughty mindset that you're just you're not all that smart or something like that. Now let me just say this: a lot of people that um, or Calvinist, or whatever, it can be very reflective of where they went to school. And also, let me just say this, the Word of God, we have to take the Bible for what it says, and we've got to be careful about imposing our assumptions on top of it. And clearly, God is in control, but that doesn't necessarily mean that if humans have free will, then God has somehow lost his complete control over the universe. So when we use terms that will say God is sovereign or God is providential, um, you know, a Calvinist would ask, and we've had people ask this, and they'll say, well, if, if somebody could be offered God's grace and they reject it, uh, somehow, if we have the power to reject God's overtures, maybe God's sovereignty has somehow been compromised. And that doesn't necessarily follow at all. Now, there are plenty of books. One of the best books that I could recommend on, I think, a very scholarly critique was by a guy named Dave Hunt, and, and it's titled, What Love Is This? Question mark. So here's the thing. Um, if people are Reformed and Calvinistic, um, they're my brothers and sisters in Christ, and I love them. But while the Bible is very clear about the sovereignty of God, the Bible is equally clear about the responsibility of man. One last thing, and Bert, I'm going to throw it back to you, but I bought Calvin's Institutes um, because 10 years ago when this was becoming such a big thing, um, I bought, it's like a 600-page volume of Calvin's Institutes on the Christian religion. And much to my surprise, all throughout this book, Calvin talks about free will and man makes a choice. And uh, if if Calvinism were really based more on the writings of John Calvin, I could be a little more favorable to it. But what we have in our lifetimes has been what some have called hyper-Calvinism, that there's double election, some are elected to heaven, some are elected to hell, and uh, no, in Scripture, clearly, the Bible says, whosoever will may come, and whosoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And there's, there's a lot more I could say, but here, here's the thing. I, I really think that we have to have unity in the body of Christ. You look at uh, Wesley and Whitfield. Whitfield yes. was very, very Calvinistic. John Wesley was very, very not, and yet they served passionately together as brothers in Christ, 
and uh, I think we should we should do the same. We do not have room for this kind of battle. It really is not. It's not a battle to fight over. I love these brothers. I understand some, most of where they're coming from. I hope they yeah. give that, and some of them that I do, they understand. I think it is. You look at it, and I go back, and I'll quote Spurgeon again. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, I think, uh, you know, Calvinist, he would be in that frame according to what John Calvin, the Institutes, you know, Alex, mm-hmm. what he read. Yeah, yeah. And he said, you see both of them in scriptures, like a railroad track, you see both rails. But if we could see far enough, we would see that those rails come together in God. And so, yes, you see those. And uh, I, I pray, Rachel, we've helped you. Now, what's the name of Dave? Is it still available, Dave Hunt's book, Alex? Yes, that, that book is still available. And uh, I'll tell you another really good book by Norm Geisler, the late Norm Geisler. It's called Chosen But Free, uh, published by Bethany House. Very good book on that subject. And uh, But thanks for that good question. Thank and you, we Rachel. We s- spent a little bit longer than normal on it, but I think that was worth talking about. Uh, also down in Texas, Larry in Texas, welcome to Exploring the Word. Well, thank you. I appreciate you taking my call. Yeah. But, uh, back in 75, uh, I started college, and at the same time, I started reading the Bible for the first time. And I started reading it very intensely. And my eyes were opened, and uh, I've been waiting about 40 years to make this statement uh, to somebody that uh, would be a scholar enough to consider it. Uh, I found out that memory is chemical. I found it out first in uh, psychology class 101, Mm -hmm. and then in science class 101, I heard the same uh, teaching again over over, uh, my first year in college. And as I'm reading the Bible, my eyes are open and my ears are open, and I'm I'm learning everything I can, and uh, I have a statement, but it's in a question form, and it is this. If memory is chemical, isn't that possibly a biological explanation for reincarnation, deja vu, the Last Supper, and the secret mystery of God that has been hidden for ages and generations that's being made manifest in his saints today, and that secret mystery is Christ actually in us. Mm. Well, great, great question. And by the way, let me just say this in Bert, I believe it's Second Peter 1, 3 that says through Jesus, we are, quote, partakers of the divine nature. Um, now, we don't turn into God. We don't turn into angels. If you're a born again Christian, you'll get a glorified body one day. Uh, and, you know, whenever we have a conversation like this, it's important to keep in mind that, yes, Christ in us, the hope of glory, and yet, and the Holy Spirit indwells the believer, but we don't turn into God. Now, I want to talk about mind and memory, but I want to be very clear that whenever we talk about God within us or redemption, um, we have to maintain what the Bible reveals about God and humanity that God is not just some universal consciousness. You know, God is eternally Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And we humans, we get regenerated, made alive, born again, uh, but we don't turn into God, you know. So um, one one more thing. Uh, what you're talking about, though, our mind and our memories, 
it's what psychologists call the mind-body problem. And Bert, frankly, it's a mystery. Yeah. Uh, even psychologists, the, we, we are physical, we're tissue. And yes, we're, we're part chemical. But clearly there is the soul, the spirit, the, the mind, the memories. And our, you know, there are three parts of the brain. Well, there are several parts of the brain, but there's the cerebellum, the hippocampus, and the basal ganglia. And these parts of our brain work together. And in these areas, coursing through the, the neurons of our brain, um, there, there's our knowledge and our memories. There's our reasoning capabilities, logic. And there's, you know, the cerebellum uh, helps with our motor skills, not only physical movement, but intellectual uh, responses. And Bert, it's such a big working that uh, I think even the most modern psychologists would say they don't really understand it. <laughs> well, if they say they do, they're, they're, they fool themselves into thinking so. We have discovered many things about the brain, and we're talking about how it works. We're talking about the chemicals by which God placed them to interact with one another, to, to bring out joy, to bring out memory. You're exactly right. But let me just say this, Larry, about Jesus in us. Jesus says, I got to go away. I got to go away. And it says in Hebrews, he seated himself at the right hand of God. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. And, and it's just like Philip asked Jesus. Uh, he said, we would see the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have you been so long with me that you don't know that when you have seen me, you have seen the Father? Don't you understand that Christ in us is the same as the Spirit in us? Mm. And so that's who we have, the Holy Spirit living in us, making real that which God has given to us in this salvation. Larry, thank you for that good question. We'll be back with more right after the break. American Family Radio newscasts are now available as a podcast. I'm Rusty Pugh. I'm Steve Jordahl. Didn't catch the full story? Listen to the podcast. I'm Chris Woodward. I'm Chad Groening. Didn't have the radio on at the top of the hour? Listen to the podcast. I'm Charlie Bunch. And I'm Fred Jackson. Get accurate news from a Christian perspective whenever you want it with the American Family News podcast. You can also sign up for our daily news brief. Visit onenewsnow.com. Friendships is offering an exciting opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, become physically fit, and learn relief ministry while serving in the Middle East. This is an amazing opportunity to serve God and experience Israel. Check out Seahawks One Year Scholarship Program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session begins August 19th. But you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. When the Spirit of God penned those words through Apostle Peter, he meant every bit of them. Christ's following is distinct from the world. Christ's followers must look different from the world. We shouldn't be surprised then when the world does not understand us and demonizes our faith. Jesus said, the student is not above the teacher. The world hated Jesus. We mustn't be surprised when the world hates us. We are called to be peculiar. Understand it. 
Embrace it. Get comfortable with it. Get used to it. We are in the world, but not of the world. Stay peculiar, my friends. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, public policy analyst for the American Family Association. This is Dr. Stephen Rummage with today's Moving Forward Minute. Psalm 110 verse 1 says, The Lord says to my Lord, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. An explorer walking through the jungle found himself being stalked by a vicious tiger. Suddenly the giant cat attacked, but somehow the explorer managed to kill the tiger. The explorer had the cat's pelt preserved and used it to cover a large hassock in his living room. From that day on, every day, the man rested his feet on top of what used to be his enemy. Well, the day is coming when Jesus Christ will destroy every enemy, and soon he will rule over all, and his enemies will be finally silenced. You can take comfort in that today. For more resources, visit movingforwardradio.org. Join me every Sunday morning at 830 Central for Moving Forward right here on AFR. Welcome back to Exploring the Word on American Family Radio. Jesus is All right, with some uh, upbeat Southern gospel music on this Friday edition of Exploring the Word. Hey, Bert, that might be courtesy of our of our great board op, <laughs> Devin Patrick. Am I right? You are exactly right. I was seated before that song started, but I'm standing now. I'm telling you, it's hard to stay seated hearing that song. Your feet want to move and your hands want to hold up. That's awesome. I, we, we say we, thank you, Devin. <laughs> Devin is awesome. I think he used to uh, produce Southern Gospel concerts or something like that, but we have a good time talking about music uh, and he is wonderful. We appreciate Devin Patrick. Well, welcome back, folks. Hey, the number we're going to get as many calls as we can, 888-589-8840 on Exploring the Word. And uh, we're going to go to Mississippi and speak with Betty. Uh, Betty, thank you for holding, and welcome to the program. I Yes, sir. Uh, thank you so much for taking my call. And I had called yesterday, but we ran out of time, and you told me to call back. I was just uh, needing some a little um, help in, I guess, discipling or teaching some teenage uh, girls uh, that there is a Satan out there and, you know, everything's not just great and wonderful and I have this wonderful feel in my heart so the Lord loves me. And <laughs> uh, Anyway, um, that teaching them about spiritual warfare and there is a spirit world out there. Um, Betty, thank you for calling back. I uh, I was praying you would, but let me start. I'm going to do an Alex McFarlane here. I'm going to tell you what Satan is not. He's not that picture of a guy with a pitchfork and a forked tail walking around. Uh, he is a spirit. He is. He was an angel, and he has come to do warfare. Uh, you might take time to read from Ezekiel and Isaiah about Lucifer himself and how he has fallen. That might help. 
I, I think you start with the Bible, uh, Betty. That is the best place to start. It's the best thing to do. And uh, if you read that, I think they might get a hold of that. Alex, you know what I mean? Is it Ezekiel, let me see, 14 and 28 of Isaiah or reverse of that, one or the other? Isaiah 14 and Ezekiel uh, 41, isn't it, that uh, talks about Satan and Lucifer. Um, And, you know, I think one of the most important things that um, we can convey really to people of all ages is, yes, Satan is real and Satan is evil and malicious, but in Christ we're victorious. You know, you remember Ephesians 6, 10, put on the whole, Ephesians 6, Finally, therefore, put on the whole armor of God and stand in the strength of God that you may be able to withstand the schemes of the devil. Uh, in Christ, we are victorious. And, and Betty, here's what you do. And I found this out the hard way. I wanted the people that I pastored to know that there was spiritual warfare. And when I first started digging in, I gave more time to how Satan operated than I did on Jesus being the one that overcomes. Don't do that with your granddaughters. Don't spend that time. Spend more time Jesus and how he is the conqueror, he's the overcomer, and and bring that in, but be careful with that balance. And I, I say that truthfully. I, tra- I say that from experience as well. Thank you, Betty. A great call, great call. Uh, David in Texas. David, let me see if I can make this. There we go. David, welcome to Exploring the Word, my friend. Yes, sir. Can you hear me? Yeah, we got you. Oh, thank you. I appreciate everything you do, and I listen to you every day. I was just wanting to uh, state on Second Peter, I've always found the verse that uh, whatever enslaves a man or whatever overcomes a man, he is enslaved to. I've always found that very profound, and it's very accurate to the human condition. But I wanted to see if either one of you could give me a good explanation for the next verse. For if, having escaped the world's impurity through the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, they are again entangled in these things and defeated, the last state is worse for them than the first state. We've had an argument in Sunday school class. Is this someone that has lost their, they have gained their faith, they have trusted in Christ, and just let the world overcome them and have lost it? Because I've always been taught once saved, always saved. And this one, I don't know how to understand it. David, thank you. Alex, we've talked about this on several occasions, not specifically what you're talking about, David, but I want to make a statement, and I'll turn it over to Alex uh, being saved in Jesus Christ, if you're truly born again, saved, walking with the Lord, then you don't fear the idea of losing and, and losing what God has given you. Now, I want to share with you, if you've made a profession of faith, you've been baptized, you've even done all the things, sang in the choir, taught a Sunday school lesson, but you have never come to that real realization, uh, then you're vulnerable, to, and, and the, your state is worse than it was. Not that you were saved and then lost, but your state is a lot worse. And let me use a verse. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, has, has been saved. 
and they're going to say, but Lord, haven't we done these, all these things in your name, cast out demons, spoke your word, and Jesus said, I never knew you. Now, Alex, uh, I, I do believe in the security of the believer, but you better make sure that it's real and not fake because yes. Satan is a counterfeiter. Satan loves to get people a counterfeit faith, doesn't he? Exactly, exactly. And by the way, the Second Peter uh, two twenty um, is talking about people who, having escaped the pollutions of the world through the knowledge of the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, but once again become entangled, and the latter end is worse than the beginning. All right, Second Peter begins, and it's talking about grace and peace to you, and there's a lot about believers. But chapter 2, verse 1, all the way up through, um, well, the end of chapter 2, is talking about false teachers and non-believers. Now, chapter 3 begins, beloved, and it's more, again, to Christians. I think the Second Peter 2.20 is not talking about people that were saved and lost, lost it, but they're talking about people that they might have been aware of the gospel but never received it, and I'll tell you why. There are two different words translated believe um, in the Bible, and the, the word in like John 3.16, whosoever believes in him, and then Acts 16.31, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. That's a word that really means a heart change, whereas the other word that just means mental knowledge of something, that's the word in 2 Peter 2.20. It's uh, from which we get the word gnosis. Uh, Epinosi is the word in Second Peter 2.20. So it's not that they lost salvation. They knew all about God. They knew all about Jesus, but they weren't truly born again. And that's, that's a warning for all of us, friend. Do you, do you know about God, or do you have a relationship with Jesus? And that's something that it's just imperative that everybody makes sure they've They've got. So, David, thanks for that great question. Uh, Arkansas. Anna in Arkansas, welcome to the program. Well, thank you. Both of you are my Adrian Rogers and my J. Vernon McGee. Oh, my. I'm not worthy. I know who the J. Vernon McGee is. It's oh, yeah. <laughs> I was in, I'm, this is truthful. I was up in uh, Pennsylvania and I was talking to someone. And they came over and they said, you sound a lot like J. Vernon McGee. And I just simply said, I wish I had his mind. And, oh, uh, yeah. Amen. Oh, Thank you, Anna. I, I, <laughs> I met him in person. Wonderful man. Yes. Like, Did like you really? Wow. Yes. Like he said, where the rubber meets the road. <laughs> Amen. Well, I'm in my 70s, and I want you to know you guys have taught me we're never too old to learn still learn even at my age but what i called about was uh matthew 23 8 where jesus says we're to call no man rabbi and of course we're not to call any man father but yet i've seen on some good programs where they're saying well jesus is your daddy he loves you now can you explain those verses to me where Okay, when you come to that, I understand. But over in the book of Romans, uh, we call out Abba, Father. Do you remember, Alex? Do you remember the translation of the word Abba? 
Uh, it's really daddy, it's isn't daddy. it? Daddy, it is daddy. It's that kind of personal relationship you have with him, Anna. Go ahead, Alex. Wow. Well, you are so kind, Anna, and thank you for your your sweet words. You, you know, um, I, I think a lot of it hangs on the reverence that we put on, on that word. We know, and, and it says, you know, don't be called uh, rabbi and call no man father. But here's the thing. We have a father, an earthly father, but obviously that doesn't mean we don't also have a heavenly father. And the Aramaic word Abba does mean daddy. But um, I, let me just say this, Bert. I, I get a lot of people that they'll they talk about Jesus as our daddy. And I don't know. I don't know another person's heart, but I, I just want to say this. I think that we always ought to reverence God, and when we bow our heads to pray, let's never forget that we're bowing before the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And yes, he does love us, and he has showered his grace on us, and we can joyfully, gleefully come before God as his children. But I don't want to take the name of the Lord flippantly or be too familiar like it's just not special. And I don't know. I've been at places where some people pray and they 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 just are maybe a little too colloquial with the Lord that I'm comfortable with. Do you know what I'm trying I to say, bro? I do. I understand what you say. I want to try to bring some balance. We was talking about the sovereignty of God and the free will of man. There's a balance there. In other words, I, I honestly believe if you go too far on either one of those, you've gone further than the Bible goes. And I, that's a statement I make. On this about Jesus, Daddy, and Father, I think you can do both, Alex. I mm-hmm. do believe you can have this honoring of God. I had a great Daddy. And when I said Amen. my dad or daddy, it was not colloquial. It wasn't familiar. It was an expression of love and relationship. And long as you can keep that love and relationship, but at the same time respectful, uh, you. But if you go over, if you overdo the the part of him being so big and so good that you can't come to him, you've gone too far. And mm. then when you start bringing him down to the man upstairs and, you know, he's always there, you've gone too far that way. So I believe you can do both. That's that's my heart, and that's what I try to do, Alex, and I uh, hope it comes across that way. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks, Anna, for that question. And now we're going to go to Virginia. Uh, is this Hussein in Virginia? Uh, no, this is Jose. Uh Jose, Jose. okay. Yeah. Oh, well, good to have you. Thank you for holding. Thanks. Okay. There is, uh, thank you for your ministry. It's just great. I, um, there is a question that I want to know about Matthew 16, and when the Lord is teaching how to pray, it's saying that uh, if we if, uh, men do not uh, forgive men your sins, they, I'm sorry, forgive the men your, their sins, so your Heavenly Father will forgive you your sins as well. But then, at the same time, we know that once we are saved, once we are born-again Christians, all of our sins are being forgiven, are forgiven, so past, present, and future. So which sins would the Lord be talking about in this passage? 
Oh, wow. Thank you, brother. Appreciate that. You know, I want to bring this up. Billy Graham would talk about, if you're not willing to confess me before men, I'll not be willing to confess you before my Father who's in heaven. You remember that scripture? And Billy Graham would, you know, just about every invitation that I'd hear him do on the radio or television, Alex, that would come across. And it comes across the same way here. If you do not forgive men their trespasses, how do you expect your heavenly Father to forgive you? Because you have done greater damage to, to the Father who is perfect than someone that does damage to you and you're so imperfect. And, and I think there's a weightiness there that describes our attitude. I think it's a, a, a spirit of attitude there, Alex. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, I think so, that if we have been forgiven, we should just instinctively know that we really ought to forgive. And if we uh, are unwilling to get, forgive people, goodness, you know, how could we, who have been forgiven of all of our sins by a holy God, how could we as fallen finite humans be unforgiving to somebody else that, that you know, we, we ought to forgive and, and let go? So I, I think what the Lord is talking about there is the heart change and the humility that ought to characterize the life of someone who's truly been born again. Great question. Amen. Yeah. Alex, we're not going to have time to go to Tracy. we got less okay. than a minute. But Tracy, I know you're listening. Please call back. I love what I hear your prayer, uh, your question is. We want to mm-hmm. take time to answer it. We wouldn't have time to even start today. But Tracy, great question, and we're going to put people on a hang. Wonder what it is. Well, tune in Monday, and if Tracy will call back, We'll find out what his question was. Alex, hope you have a great, great weekend this weekend. Amen, folks. Tell somebody about Exploring the Word and keep this ministry in prayer if you would. Keep your radio tuned to American Family Radio, AFR. But most of all, more than anything, tell everybody about Jesus. 